been preaching on sermons from the jailhouse. And I did not go to jail this week to get it. I went right here in this book to get it. Amen. It's a beautiful thing when you stop and consider just how dynamic and powerful the Word of God is. I'll be in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, Peter preached three minutes and 3,000 people were saved. In the third and fourth chapter, he preached five minutes and 5,000 people were saved. There's no telling how many people will be saved tonight as long as I preach. (laughs) Amen. I knew that would get a rise out of you. Some of you were just almost asleep, but we got you awake now. Amen. Acts chapter 5. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin reading with verse 17, and we're going to read down to verse 32. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. And they laid hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning. They couldn't wait to get there. And they taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought out. Hello, not there. But when the officer came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we opened we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captains of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one of and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. And then went the captain with the officers and brought them Without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be, have been stoned. And when they had brought, forth, or brought them forth, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this blood, man's blood upon us. Notice they wouldn't use his name. They said, this man, this man's blood, but they would not use the name of Jesus. Why? Because they feared that name. Talking about the Sanhedrin. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand 
to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. I want to draw your attention to verse 28. They said in the last part of verse 28, do you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? And then before they released them from custody, they beat them in verse 40. And the Bible says they were beaten of them and commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore and let them go. I want to use for a subject tonight, bloodbath and beyond. You may be seated. Bloodbath and beyond. The 12 disciples are incredible men of God that Jesus trained personally, with the exception of Matthias. We read in the second chapter, Peter preached that dynamic sermon that they were to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. There was an incredible move of God. 3,000 men were saved, not counting the women and the children. After Peter and John healed by the name of Jesus, the lame man in Acts chapter 3, and the lame man clave to John and Peter, wouldn't leave him, wouldn't allow Peter and John to get, him, get out of his sight after he had healed the lame man. Jesus had healed the lame man by, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the hand, and he jumped up, he went walking and leaping and praising God. Went through the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Went to the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I said, went to the temple walking and leaping and praising God. Amen? And it wouldn't hurt you to walk through this place walking and leaping and praising God. Amen? You say, you, you sound like we're Pentecost. No, we're just excited about Jesus. Don't put brands on us. Don't put names on us. We want to be excited about Jesus. Now, John and Peter... John and Peter and the lame man is put in jail in chapter 4. We talked about that last Wednesday. The lame man was in jail too. We talked about how the Sanhedrin threatened John and Peter. Threatened them not once but twice. Do not speak in this name. Stop. If you know what's good for you, shut your mouth. Do not preach. Do not teach in this name. They refrained from using the name. They just said this name. And so they threatened them and sent them off. And, of course, Peter's remark to them was, uh, should we obey God or you? You decide. And so they left that place rejoicing, continuing to preach the word of God and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now they're on fire. They're on fire for Jesus. John and Peter goes back, gives a report to the other 10 uh, disciples or apostles and says what they had threatened them and they praised God for how uh, God had given them the words to say. And now they are preaching all over Jerusalem. People are being saved everywhere. 
the surrounding areas, Jerusalem, the, the, the apostles are on fire for Jesus. I mean, they are not leaving one stone unturned. They are preaching the gospel with great power. Multitudes are being healed and multitudes are being saved. And probably just in those two meetings, the Pentecostal, uh, the day of Pentecost and the meeting of the lame man being raised from his lameness, uh, there was 8,000 men, not counting the women and children. That's a good 15 to 20,000 people. And they are bringing in more hundreds and thousands of people as they're preaching the gospel and they're filling Jerusalem with the doctrine of Jesus. Jesus Christ. He died for our sin. He was buried in the grave and he rose again from the grave and he went back to the Father and by his name and his name alone can we be saved. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now they're on fire. Miracles are taking place. There's a great move of God and the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, and the chief priests has already told them, don't do this. Don't do this. And so they had a little meeting, the Sanhedrin, and decided, well, we're going to talk to not just John and Peter. We're going to go get all the apostles. And so they gathered up all the apostles and put them in jail. The big 12. I realize Judas is dead in hell. But Matthias is there. And, you know, we're talking about the gospel dozen. Jesus trained. And so the Sanhedrin, the leaders, which would be like the Supreme Court of Israel, in fact, the Sanhedrin and the leaders of Israel, they were the only ones that could discipline, that could discipline the king of Israel at any time. It was the Sanhedrin. It was a Supreme Court of Israel. And so they got together and said, let's get them all in. Let's gather up all 12 of them and let's put them in jail. And they did. They put them in jail. Fifth chapter, you can read it for yourself. They put them in jail. (laughs) And God says to an angel, "Uh, they've got my 12 down there in jail. Go down there and get them out. Now, whether Jesus came in the personification of an angel, which I doubt, I think it was an angel that belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel comes to him and and opens the door and they just walk out. The 12 go out and the angel tells them right from the start, you can go now, but go straight back out there and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go out there and tell them, amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I got out of jail, I wouldn't be running back into the fire. I'd be running away to hide. But an angel makes a big difference, I guess. How many would agree an angel makes a big difference? These disciples are unstoppable. We read it, verse 17 through 25. I'll not read it again, but they're unstoppable. They, they, They have been told not to preach in that name. And now... The Bible says in the 17th verse that the high priest rose up and all that were with him, which were the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. They were angry. You didn't listen to us. We made a decree. We made a law. You couldn't talk in this name. And you filled all of Jerusalem with your doctrine. Israel's on fire with this name. 
And they wouldn't even speak his name because they were chicken to speak his name. Or they were envious to speak his name. Amen? They were the unstoppable 12. God was saying pretty much when he sent the angel to get them out of prison, God was pretty much saying, that's my 12, they're not done yet. That's my 12, they got business to do. So the angel comes to him and tells him, you can go now. Amen. Notice what it says in verse 20. The angel said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Woo! And what a life it is. And when they saw the angel, they heard his words. The Bible says in verse 21, when they heard that, they they entered into the temple early the next morning, very early. They couldn't wait to get back there in the temple and tell people about the power and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Wow. And so when the Sanhedrin is going to call them back to talk to them, interrogate them, and they send their, their officers to go to the jail and bring the 12. They go to the jail and there's the guard standing there with a sword. Two or three guards probably. The doors are locked. Everything looks normal. And they open the door and look in and they're gone. I mean, they blinked their eyes like a toad in a hailstorm. They, they were shocked. Amen. And they went back to the Sanhedrin and they said, look, the guards are there, the doors are locked, everything looks clear, but they're not there. And someone comes running into the court chambers. Them guys you put in jail, <laughs> they're over at the temple preaching. They're the unstoppable 12. We ought to join them. I said, we ought to join them as unstoppable men and women of God. Amen. We ought to make up our mind that we're unstoppable. Why? Because we have had a bloodbath in Jesus Christ. Amen. Because Jesus Christ has given us a bloodbath. We're redeemed from our sins. We're forgiven of our sin. And now beyond, we should share the good news of Christ, a bloodbath. And beyond, beyond this life, beyond the world to come, we are to reach out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because our life began at a bloodbath in the person and the holy blood of Jesus Christ. And that's where our life began in that bloodbath, our sins forgiven, our life given, our peace given. And now it's time for us to go and never flinch about our stand and our duty for Jesus Christ. Now the Sanhedrin calls them in and you would think the first thing the Sanhedrin would say, look at verse 25. It said, they're standing in the temple preaching. The news came to the Sanhedrin. When the captain with the officers brought them without violence, they feared the people lest they be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them in the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, did not we straightly command you not to teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. I believe they smiled real big. What a compliment. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. 
Oh, I would to God we'd fill our nation with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. I would to God we'd fill our community, our families, our cities with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. He died. He rose again from the grave. He lives. He's the sovereign God, Jesus, our Savior, Lord, and God. Now, you would think the first question the high priest would ask was, would be this. How'd you get out? Really? That'd have been my first question. Okay, boys, how did you get out? Now, I want you to notice something that's very, and most Bible readers, they miss this, but it's important that you see this. Verse 24 says, now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. That word doubted means they, they wanted them to doubt that it ever happened. They, they wanted him to be convinced that it didn't happen. See, the Sanhedrin was filled with not only Pharisees, but mostly Sadducees. They didn't believe in miracles. And so they were trying to get the, the authorities around the jail to doubt what had happened. So they wanted them to doubt it lest it would grow. They wanted to stop it. Most people miss that little nugget, but that's an important nugget because the devil's always trying to get us to doubt something. And as long as you doubt something, you're not going to grow. But when we believe something, we're going to grow. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Now, the 12 stood up to the Sanhedrin. I think it's as important that you see this. The chief priest said, okay, how come you didn't listen to us? Did not we straightly, verse 28, command you that you should not teach in this name? Notice they refused to use the name. They just said this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Sanhedrin was trying to say, you miracle workers, you, you 12, we didn't kill your leader. They were trying to make excuses. We didn't kill him. The Roman soldiers killed him. You're trying to bring the blood of this innocent man on us. They even admitted that he was innocent. And you're trying to bring this man's blood upon us. And I believe the apostles remembered what Pilate had said. I am innocent of this just man's blood. And washed his hands in water and said, I find no fault in him, I'm innocent. And the leaders cried out, let his blood be upon us and our children. Yes. Yeah, there was a bloodbath. And they, and I think it's so beautiful that we see that these Sadducees are trying to squirm out of what they did wrong. And Peter, verse 29 and the other apostles. Now, I love this phrase. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, I may be a little strange when I read the scriptures because I always want always to see the goodies in a verse. Peter is talking, but not just Peter, the other apostles the other, not just Peter, the other apostles said, we ought to obey God rather than men. 
I don't know, know whether the 12 took turns. I don't know whether Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. John said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Matthew, we ought to obey God rather than men. Bartholomew, we ought to obey God rather than men. And the list goes down. Maybe they did that. I don't know. You think they got the point? Or maybe when Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men, they went right down the line of the 11 apostles other than Peter and said, amen, 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 11, amen, 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 amen. Who's counting? Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. I hope you got 11 out of that because I'm out of breath. But that is a beautiful verse. We ought to obey God rather than men. Let me tell you, if the government ever comes down on the church and says you're not to meet together, we ought to obey God rather than men. If the government ever tries to tell us we can't go out door to door telling people about Jesus, we ought to obey God rather than man. If the United States government says we should keep it within our walls, then we ought to obey God rather than man. No matter what the government says, we ought to obey, ought to obey God rather than man. If the mayor of this city says something contrary to the Bible, we ought to obey God rather than man. Hello. If the mayor of the city says you're not to do such and such, we ought to obey God rather than man. If the sheriff of this county, which he wouldn't, but were to say something contrary to the word of God, we ought to obey God rather than man. If a police officer was to say something to try to keep us from sharing our, our expression and our belief in Christ, we ought to obey God rather than man. Amen. Now, that don't mean you're supposed to be lawbreakers, but it does mean that if there's a law made in the land that conflicts this Bible, that contradicts God's will, then God is the highest supreme CEO of all creation. He decides whether I shout or not. He decides whether I preach on the streets of the city or not. He decides whether I go and share my faith with those around me, whether it's God who decides, not man. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. Woo! Now, remember they said, don't you bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and the other apostles said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Verse 30, then Peter grinds it in. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Yeah, that's the name you won't repeat. But the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. You killed Jesus. You crucified the Son of God. That's pretty good stuff. He's talking not to a, a little kangaroo court. He's talking to Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel. Verse 31, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince, speaking of Jesus, and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. The Holy Ghost also is a witness in us, whom God has given to them that obey him. 
in those few words, Peter is saying, you killed the Messiah. You're guilty of his blood. God raised him from the dead. God exalted him as the prince and savior of the world. And for Israel to receive forgiveness of sins, they have to come through him. And we are witnesses. And so is the Holy Ghost. And we will obey him. Peter, that's pretty good preaching. I believe all the 12 said, amen, amen. Uh, excuse me, the 11 said, amen, 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 amen. Did I miss one? Anyway, who's counting? I was talking too fast to count. You getting something out of this tonight? Hope you are. The 12 stood up to the Sanhedrin. Not only did they stand up to the Sanhedrin, but they stood up to Saul of Tarshish. See, Saul of Tarshish was in that room. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was taught under Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, the great teacher, was there too in that room. We'll mention that in just a little bit. You say, how do you know Saul was there? Well, how did Luke know what to write? Paul told him what went on in that room. Now, he was Saul then, Saul of Tarshish. We know him as Apostle Paul. Paul is the Roman name. Saul is the Jewish name. And probably Saul of Tarshish was named after the first king of Israel, Saul. And then later, being raised in Tarshish, he was given a Roman name, which was Paul. Raised in the city of Jerusalem by Gamaliel. He was in that meeting. Saul was in that meeting. See, I don't believe he was in that meeting. Well, how did, how did uh, Luke know what to write if he wasn't in that meeting? I mean, Come on, the disciples didn't have their hands up against the door trying to listen. Another reason I know that Saul was in that room is because he was part of the group. And remember, he got papers in Acts chapter 9 from the Sanhedrin to go persecute the church. So he got the legal documents to go. So he's very much involved with it. Let's just put icing on the cake and be done. Acts 26, verse 9 through 12. I verily thought myself, this is Paul speaking when he was Saul, that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in where? Where did he do it? In Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. Where were they? In Jerusalem. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I voted in the council. I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority of commission from the chief priests, hello, high noon, he meets Jesus Christ, 
on the road to Damascus. High noon. It's showdown. And Jesus wins. Man, I'm feeling pretty good right now. That's good stuff. Amen. The Sanhedrin. Paul was there. Saul was there. It all began with a bloodbath and then and beyond. God's people have always been through the centuries, many of them martyred. There's always been a bloodbath. James, the brother of Jesus, a bloodbath. The martyr, Stephen, a bloodbath. I didn't realize it was a stoning, but I'm sure there was much blood involved. People being killed. And to this day in ISIS and other countries, people lose their head. And I guarantee you that is a bloodbath. Deny Jesus. Nope, not going to. And they'll cut their head off with a sword. And if need be, they'll cut your head off with a dirty, dull, bladed knife. Because they are brutal. They want to promote their religion and not Jesus Christ. Amen? This is bloodbath and beyond. When you get a bloodbath in Jesus Christ and you get your sins forgiven and you get saved, you're no longer your own. You belong to Jesus Christ. And God may choose for you to do a little bleeding too. Not to save your soul. Jesus Christ gave me a bloodbath that is forever eternal. In the heavens, I'm saved. But God may decide at one time or another in our life that blood be drawn. Well, the preacher didn't even shake my hand. Well, I don't think anybody there at the church likes me. I just don't feel like I belong. I was in the hospital and they didn't come and see me. And I didn't even know you was there. Don knows what I'm talking about. You've not resisted yet to blood. And very few people in the United States in the American church have resisted to blood. Amen. Now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. I know you were pretty happy a while ago, but the wind got knocked out of you. The 12 were beaten. I said the 12 were beaten. All 12 of them were beaten. They were were threatened in Acts chapter 4. They were threatened again, and now they're beaten. But notice this, verse 33. Gamaliel is going to come in place here. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart. They took counsel. They were going to kill them, slay them, verse 33. They're going to kill the 12. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, the one that taught Saul, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth for a little space. He said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus and boasting himself of somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to nothing. 
After this, a man rose up by Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. And he also perished, and all, even as many as obey him, were dispersed. Gamaliel says, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to nothing, not. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. Verse 40. And to them they agreed, and to him, Gamaliel, they agreed. And when they had, call, had called the apostles, that's the twelve, they beat them, and beaten, had beaten them. They commanded that they would not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. First, they beat them. Look, look, it, look it up in your Greek concordance. Look it up. Beaten means skinned. It means the breaking of the skin. They now receive a bloodbath of their own. But they're going to go beyond, and they're going to serve God rather than man. All 12 were beaten. They have a bloodbath. And what did they do? They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. <laughs> ben, me, I went out and said, man, they hit me hard. It hurt. Oh, man, they beat me till blood come out of my neck and blood began to gush everywhere. No, they didn't even mention that. That was, shoot, that was nothing but they got a bloodbath. Hello. And they departed from the council rejoicing. <laughs> and they counted worthy to be suffered shame for his name. I don't think that would have been my, my attitude at that moment, rejoicing and daily in the temple and in the, every house. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. What happened? It was a bloodbath, but beyond. They wasn't going to stop. Amen? They wasn't going to stop. Now, let me just stop here because I've got a little bit of grinding. You know, I've got to get on this soapbox just a little bit about something. Gamaliel was a smart man, a very educated man, but he wasn't right about everything. And when he said, if this is of God, it'll fit, it, it will last. If it's not, it'll fizzle out. He was wrong on that statement. See, a lot of people say, well, yeah, he's right, because if it's of God, it'll last. If it's not of God, it'll fizzle out. That's not absolutely accurate. You don't judge whether it's of God or not by the size of the church. You don't judge whether it's God or not by the size of the association. It doesn't mean it's God because they're one of the fastest growing religions in the world today which is Islam, by the way. All kinds of different religions, some that deny Christ, deny that he's eternal God, pre-existing God, that Jesus is Lord of glory, God in flesh, such as Jehovah Witnesses. And trust me, that's a big group. If we're going to judge things by how big it is, look at the Mormons. Look at the Catholics. We're going to judge something by how big it is and say, because it's big, it's God. 
No, no, no. Why don't we change the standard and say, why don't we measure this by its smallness? You say, you ain't got a Bible for that. Jesus started with one, two, three. He collected up to 12. He went home. There was 70 following. He went home. Stop and think about it. He said, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen? Stand with me, Josh. Come on and bring a song. Hallelujah. What a blessing it is to serve God. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Where's my amen, 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 amen? Come on. <laughs> we ought to obey God rather than man. That ought to be the theme of the church in these last days. Obey God rather than men. Amen. Amen. Josh's going to sing. We're going to invite you. Maybe you need to just come and get some strength and encouragement. Just enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Add yourself to that 12. Add yourself to that growth of the church. And say, I will obey God rather than men. Altars open.